It's a wedding invitation. Who's received a wedding invitation before? Not to your own wedding, but to somebody else's wedding. Okay, we all have, and we have the option of saying yes or no. Uh, yes, we will come. No, we won't come. I don't have too many op- options seeing that I'm officiating at the wedding, so I guess I better accept that. What about this invitation? Here, here we go. Uh, we need to somehow come back to that one. Can you click it on to the next space for me, please? Yeah, next one. Do you know this song? Thank you. Let's see if we can sing it. Should all acquaintance be forgot and never brought to mind? Should old acquaintance be forgot and the days of old lang syne. For old lang syne, my dear, for old lang syne, we'll drink a cup of kindness yet for the sake of old lang syne. Who knew those words? Who's heard those words before? Who's sung them before? I've been, usually it's sung, uh, New Year's time, you know, looking back at the old, old year, looking ahead to the new year, that sort of thing. Who was that, who was that a new song for today? Who has never sung those words before? Okay. You probably don't understand what they mean. But the sort of thing that I was getting at there was, often if I've been in a situation where that song has started to be sung, it's an automatic invitation to join in. Would you agree? No one needs to say, let's sing this together. Someone just starts singing it and everybody joins in. Is that your experience? Have you done that? Have you had that before? Uh, maybe you've never sung that bit song before. Okay. But the reason behind that is old lang syne means old long since or times gone by. So it's, in a way it's saying farewell to the, the last year and expectations for the new year. It goes a lot longer. There's a lot more verses than that. But there's this two types of invitation I've talked about this morning, the wedding invitation, specifically to you, addressed to you, given to you, for you to respond. And there's this automatic invitation. And if I said, Aussie, 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 some people respond. But it becomes automatic, doesn't it? You're not invited to do it. Somebody doesn't say, let's sing all things on, or somebody doesn't say, let's say Aussie, Aussie, Aussie. It's that automatic response. It's that Anticipated invitation, if you were. What's about, what about us? And there's power in that, isn't it? You know, there's power in that. There's power in the invitation that comes in the mail because it says that somebody cares enough about me to invite me to their wedding. That's just incredibly powerful. There's something about that automatic invitation to sing happy birthday or to sing, uh, all things on or to shout, oi, oi, oi. There's that automatic invitation. There's some power in the invitation. And what we're going to look at today in the scriptures is how an invitation is powerful for the person receiving it, but also for the person giving it. I spoke recently to a friend who's a musician. And he said to me, why is the gospel good news? Why is the gospel good news? I thought to myself, oh, goodness. So my quick response was, God's love or the gospel, the good news of Jesus, is like a a song. It's like a love song. It started a long time ago, 
The content and the words in that song are good. They are, they are words that can change the world. And we can join along with that song anytime we like. We can um, be led by that song into the lifestyle that Jesus wants us to live by. Some people know the words of the song. Some people are just learning the words of that song. And some people will hear that song for the first time. The power of the good news of Jesus. This is a true story, the story of God loving the world. And we're invited to come and see, come and see the good news of Jesus. We're invited. We have the responsibility to invite others to come and see. Matthew chapter 18 and certainly the uh, children's story uh, video said this, told us about this morning. Matthew 28 verses 18 to 20 says this. Then Jesus came to them, the disciples, and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. What's this making disciples? What's this making disciples bit? Well, making disciples is an interesting word. It's one word and has an interesting meaning and emphasis behind it. It's a, as you go about lives, it's an imperative word. It's something you should and must be doing. So as you go about your lives, make disciples. As you go about your lives, be disciple makers. I wonder if that's our practice. I wonder if we use in the process of everyday interactions, just like we've been looking at in plan A last term, what if we make disciples in our everyday interactions with people? What if we use our influence to teach people, to, to reveal God's goodness to people, to realise that he is with us as we go? What if that's our normal experience? We've got, we've got this great commission to share the good news you know, I think it's easy for a lot of us to hear those truths and let them just be background noise, not really be brought to the front where they're, where they're imperative, where they're as you go, as you do life day by day. Often we're happy just to let them sit in the background. But Jesus wants us to say to other people, come and see. Come and see what we've discovered. Come and see what life's like when we follow Jesus. Someone has said it's, it's like a, a beggar telling another beggar where to find bread and where to find life. Come and see. Do you and I know the power of an invitation? I wonder if we do. Because coming to faith in Jesus is a process. It's, there's steps along the way. And each of us are commissioned to play a part in, in some of those steps for other people around about us. The greatest decision that anybody could ever make in life is to decide to follow Jesus. The power of an invitation can begin with just those three words, come and see. I want you to um, think a little bit about your history and what convinced you to be a follower of Jesus. I'm going to ask you about that in a moment. You don't need to answer, just need to put your hand up or stand up or whatever. But in this time, age and time in which we live, there are not a lot of people finding out about Jesus. There are not a lot of people that are coming to conclusions about Jesus, even though the researchers tell us that one in four people in our country are searching for some spiritual reality. 
2021, Macrindle Research, said that, uh, that there are people in our communities looking for spiritual reality. The National Church Life Survey said that one in four people would come to church or to a church service if they were invited. One in four people would come. Roughly two out of three people in Australia don't even know someone who regularly attends church. That's sad, isn't it? That's sad. Nikki Gumbel, the uh, uh, author of uh, the Alpha Program, said this, we are living in the greatest season of evangelism in our generation. People are hungry. They are wanting truth. They are wanting to know spirituality. Who's going to tell them? Let's consider what context we should say to people to come and see. That context is out of our everyday relationships. We're not, God's not saying to us we need to go to distant lands. He's not saying to us we need to go necessarily out of our comfort zone, but right where we are amongst the people that we already interact with. Those existing everyday relationships is the context of where we should be using those three words to invite someone to come and see. Come and see Jesus. Romans 10 verses uh, 14 to 15 says this, How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? How can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. I wonder, are you prepared to bring those good news, that good news through an invitation, come and see. God sends us his church, the whole body of Christ, with our everyday relationships as we go. His presence is with us by his spirit. He will give us the opportunities here or he'll make us aware of the opportunities where we can say to people, come and see. Come and see Jesus. Now here's the test. Not a test, but an exercise. I wonder if there was somebody in your life that at some stage in your history said, come and see, so that now you know Jesus. Let me give you an example. Who grew up in church as their family went to church and, and, and in a simple way, as they were going to church, they put their faith in Jesus? Anybody here that did that? Some people did? Yeah, okay. There are people in our lives, families are important in that, to guide people in the way to faith in Jesus. I wonder if there's somebody here who was a, a young person that went to a uh, Scripture Union camp or something like that over the years and had the gospel explained there through caring uh, leaders and you placed your faith in Jesus. Anybody here who came to faith in Jesus through a, a camp or something like that? Yeah, yeah. I wonder if there, as an adult there was someone in your life, a significant person in your life that took the time to tell you about their walk with Jesus and then invited you to come and meet Jesus. Anybody like that in your life? Lots of hands there. I wonder if there are other people sitting here today that are unsure about whether they have invited Jesus into their lives or come to meet Jesus in a, in a personal, intimate way. But there's, I guarantee you that there's somebody caring for you and praying for you that you will come to that faith in Jesus. One of the uh, gospel writers from uh, last era... William Temple said this, is the, bringing someone to Jesus is the greatest service that one person can render another person. I believe that's true. That to share Jesus with somebody to the point where they choose to believe in Jesus 
is the greatest thing that anybody of, any of us could do. So what's our role in starting or sharing that good news with Jesus? I think there's three things we need to remember. And these are things that should go to us. Well, it certainly did to me when I started looking into this. The things to remember are God is already at work. So even though we think we're praying for somebody and we're, we're wondering how we might ask them to come and see or ask them to come and read the Bible or whatever, God's already at work. His Spirit's already working a person, uh, uh, um, ploughing that ground so that it's that fertile soil, fertile soil, ready to receive the seed of the gospel. God is already at work. He just wants us to get on board. So we need to remember, if God puts somebody's heart and, uh, name on our heart and mind and we're praying for them, God is already at work in their lives. And we can trust God to be at work. Secondly, the Holy Spirit is the lead evangelist. We don't have to be the evangelist. We don't have to have all the answers. We don't have to tell a person everything about Jesus. There's some things that we can tell them, but basically it's about what our walk with Jesus is like. Do you know the confidence that I have that the Holy Spirit is the lead evangelist, Jesus' promise was, surely I am with you always as you go. So the Holy Spirit is with us. He's with us as we share. And the third thing to remember is that we each have a role to play. Most of us are not evangelists. Most of us are are shy about being up front. Some of us are shy about talking about personal things with people. But you know... God can use all of us just as we are to invite somebody along. There's there's power in the invitation. We know that from the scriptures. Jesus said to the most unlikely people, come and follow me. What did they do? They followed. What, What happened? He made them fishers of men. He made them people who were able to invite others to come and see Jesus. It all starts with an invitation. I wonder... Are you prepared to utter those three little words to somebody? Come and see. See what Jesus is like. The context of the, of the invitation is everyday relationships. The passion for the invitation has to come out of our relationship with our Heavenly Father. If we're just doing this because there's another program or we've been, Pastor John told us to do it on Sunday, that's not good enough. The reason for inviting someone to know Jesus is because you know Jesus first. The reason for inviting someone to believe in God is because you know the Father first. It comes out of our intimacy with the Father. I've known some new Christians over the years. And and the thing that I noticed about new Christians is it's as if they've been wandering through the desert. They find this wonderful spring. They jump in boots and all. They come out and they're waving to all their mates, come over here and and find out what I've discovered about Jesus. The enthusiasm, the, the, the motivation, the excitement's there. I wonder, as we walk with the Lord, do we lose some of that? It's true, it's still true, it's always true, but do we lose some of that? Romans chapter 1 verse 16, Paul writes, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. Our intimacy with the Father will be expressed in our willingness to to tell others about Jesus. We are simply messengers of Christ's invitation. 
You know, Christ said, come and follow me to the disciples. He says, go and make disciples. So we are simply messengers of his invitation. Throughout the Bible, we see over and over again, God, Jesus didn't necessarily use gifted preachers or speakers. He used ordinary people, just like you and I. But they were people who he chose and who he enabled. The messengers of Christ's invitation, God sends everyday people who have encountered Jesus with the courage to share. Are you everyday people? Tick that box. Have you had an encounter with Jesus? Tick that that box if you have. Are you courageous enough to share an invitation with some people? That's probably the question mark for, for us this morning. What's it mean to be everyday people? God sends everyday people. He chose the disciples. Remember how he first chose them? Matthew chapter 4, verse 18 and 19. As Jesus was walking along the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. Have you ever thought about that? It's interesting to go into the background of that story. This town where they were was was the backwaters of Galilee. It wasn't a famous town. That's where he went to get his uh, first draft pick. You know, like the, the footballers, they, the first round of the draft pick. They usually choose the best and the, the greatest. Jesus went to a place where it was a backwater and these people weren't famous. But he went to them and he said to them, come and follow me and I will make you fishers of men. He didn't go to men who were training up in the religious practices of the day by their uh, reading of the Torah so that they might come to a rabbi and be chosen as the rabbi's followers. He did it back to front. That was the normal process. He said, no, I want to, I want to choose you and then teach you. I'm picking you. Come, follow me. I'll show you how, how to catch more fish. I'll show you how to catch people. Are we those everyday people? that Jesus has chosen? The answer is yes. You know, we're, we're not necessarily gifted orators or preachers. We are people who do our day-to-day tasks, but we do them because Jesus is with us. In Acts chapter uh, 11, uh, Acts chapter 4, we see the result of these ordinary people. The uh, Pharisees, they had Peter and, and John before the Pharisees, and they said, when they saw the courage of Peter and John, and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men. They were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with who? They'd been with Jesus. That was the qualification for Peter and John. That qualifies anybody as a messenger of the gospel. Anybody as a messenger of the invitation to come and see. Could there be anything more simple than that, than following Jesus? God empowered John and Peter and us with his presence, with his Holy Spirit. He does it today if we're willing to listen. God sends everyday people who've encountered people, sorry, who have encountered Jesus with the courage to share. What does it mean to encounter Jesus? It means that we have a need of a saviour. You and I at some stage in our lives have decided we have a need of a saviour to save us from the consequences of our sin and disobedience. In Matthew 21 and verse 31, Jesus said this. He said, I tell you the truth, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. This was spoken to the 
super spiritual religious leaders of the day. He wasn't saying, come on guys, get your act together. He was saying, this is the reality of who Jesus came to. This is why he came. To show those people who need a saviour that he will be their saviour. We need to encounter Jesus for who he really is, our Lord and our saviour. I believe there's a story in the Bible, in John's Gospel, of who the greatest messenger for Jesus ever was. We're going to look at that in a moment. Let me tell you about this story. Jesus encountered this person at a well. Do you know who I'm talking about already? She was a woman. She was a Samaritan. And there's a whole heap of stuff between the Jews and the Samaritans there in the background. It was, it was midday, about the middle, middle of the day, when she came alone because she wasn't popular amongst the other women. Sadly, she'd had five broken marriages. Financially, she was unstable, so she was living with a new guy to survive. But she encounters Jesus for who he really is. She, she, she encounters Jesus. He's the, he says, I'm, I've got good news. I've got something to offer you. Living water that promises to quench what you really thirst for in life. That's my invitation. Come follow me. So John records that in her excitement, she went off to tell the nearby town. I think I've got the verses up here. This is what she said to the people in the town. Now remember all that description of that lady? She wasn't well liked in the town. Come see a man who told me everything I ever did, John 4.29 says. Could this be the Christ, the Messiah they were waiting for? Verse 30, they came out of the town and made their way toward him. She must have been convincing. Her message must have been highly visible. Not just spoken, but the reality for her physically as well. And it goes on in verse 39 of the same chapter 4. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them and he stayed two more days. Come and see. Come and see the man who told me everything about my life. Could he be the Christ? They came, they saw, and the result was. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the saviour of the world. The greatest messenger of Christ in gospel records, I believe, is that woman at the well. A whole town came to Jesus because she was prepared to invite them. The power of the invitation, come and see. God sends everyday people who have encountered Jesus with the courage to share. Last point. What's this courage all about? Courage, I believe, isn't the absence of fear. It's a willingness to keep going despite our fear. Now, most of us who've preached know that we shake in our boots or our jeans, but we don't give up because of that. We're here because God wants us to. Um, uh, mainly music leaders, uh, some of them uh, a little bit shy about what the day might hold, but you're there because God wants you to. Uh, young adults people, people who are in, in ministry or people who are in their job and profession because that's where God wants them to do. We don't know what the next day will bring, but we know that God will be with us. At the crucifixion, many of the disciples 
hid in fear behind locked doors until Jesus appeared in their midst. And something greater than them took over their fears and gave them confidence. Do you remember the story of Stephen in the book of Acts? Chapter 7, verse 55, 56, it says, But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. He said that as he was being stoned to death for his faith in Jesus. You and I cannot afford the good news of Jesus to become that background music in our lives. We really need to have it on the forefront of our lives. We really need to know that nothing should distract us from keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus. That's what, that's what courage means. That's what courage means. Stephen had that courage. Do we have that courage? To be there as the ones who bring the invitation for Jesus. I want to tell you, finish with a story this morning as we consider how we might invite people to come and see. Let me tell you the story this morning about a fellow called Albert McMakin. You might have heard of his name before. In 1934, this 24-year-old farmer became a Christian. He became a follower of Jesus. He was so full of enthusiasm that he took a, a truckload of people with him to some gospel meetings to hear about Jesus. Albert also wanted to bring a friend of his, another farmer, uh, a son of one of his farmer, uh, farmer neighbours to the meeting. But this guy wasn't interested. He was just too busy. He, he was difficult to persuade. He was too busy falling in and out of love with different girls. He just didn't seem to be interested in Christianity. But Albert did not give up. Albert was no one special. He was a farmer. He wasn't highly educated. He wasn't highly trained. But he did know Jesus. Finally, Albert managed to get this young man to come along by asking him to drive the truck. And the background to that comment was there was lots of pretty girls on that truck. At the meeting, Albert's guest found himself spellbound by the teaching from the Bible. He went back each night until finally he responded to the promptings of the Holy Spirit, who was the greatest evangelist, to give his life to Jesus. What was this guy's name? Albert McMakin. Have you heard of him before? He led Billy Graham to the Lord. It was ordinary Albert McMakin that brought him to Israel, to, to Jesus, rather. The power of an invitation. Come and see. Come and hear. Come and listen. He brought Billy Graham to those meetings. And Billy Graham came to faith in Jesus. I wonder what relationship you might have where you can help a person to come and see. Billy Graham says, I don't need a successor, only willing hands to accept the torch for a new generation. I wonder if God's putting people on your heart and mind today that you might invite to come and see. John 10, verse 10, Jesus said, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. God's desire, Jesus' desire is that we might have the fullness of life. Many people are not living in that today. So back to that original verse, 
in 28, Matthew 28, verse 18 to 20, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. What does that mean for you and I? What has God said to you this morning? Is he encouraging you to be someone who invites others to come and see what Jesus is like? I was trying to picture what this might look like in our, in our lives. Anybody here got a gas hot water system at home? We've got one. You know what's on all the time on that gas hot water system except when the gas runs out? The little pilot light. And this is the thought I had. He wants to see us because we walk with Jesus. Turn from being a pilot light to be a gas fire. Not the music, not the voice in the background, but Jesus up front. Allowing that light of salvation that we know, that we are saved by, to be evident in our lives. That we might invite others to come and see what it means to know Jesus. So here's some homework for this week. I'm not going to test you on it. That doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. Think about four people, four people over this next week that God might put on your heart and mind for you to say, do you want to come and see what Jesus is like? Do you want to come and see what Jesus is like? And then I would pray this prayer, a prayer that's been prayed for thousands of years or hundreds of years rather. Come Holy Spirit and do your work. Let's pray. Father, you've already put names and faces on our hearts this morning of people that we would love and we've been praying for for ages to come to faith in you. Lord, we ask for the opportunity, we ask for the courage to ask them to come and see what Jesus is like. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And just as a taste... If you've never been, anybody here been involved in the Alpha 